Whoa. Hey, that's AJ Przinski over there. We got a fun episode cooked up for you today. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, hey, what do you say? Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As you can see, we have a very fun and exciting show lined up for you. So we're going to get through this housekeeping stuff real quick. As a reminder, please feel free to be active in the comments on YouTube. We'll hang out with you, answer and ask some questions. Also, too, if you have questions you want answered on the seventh inning stretch, don't hesitate to ask. That's usually the final segment of the show, the voice of the fan. Not today, though, but we will have an episode later tonight breaking down this brutal loss and brutal series against the Rays. Also, too, check out Locked On Twins Breathless Post Game Minutes right away after each game. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB. And when you enter the promo code Locked On MLB, you will get a free Yeti-style tumbler like I have right here. I finally remembered to bring it with. Also, Twins Blue Jays tomorrow, Thursday, 6.07 p.m. first pitch. It's Kikuchi. It's Sonny Gray. We'll talk about Sonny Gray here on the show. And you can catch every pitch of the Twins hometown broadcast with Corey and Danny, or maybe Paul Molitor again, with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. I am absolutely thrilled to welcome A.J. Przinski to the show. A.J., thank you so much for taking time out for us. Uh, thanks for having me. I don't think Dan Gladden's allowed in Toronto, so you probably will have Molitor. Yeah, it has probably something to do with uh, crossing the border, <laughs> which actually I believe I heard a story that a player at one time got released because they weren't allowed to cross the border back in like the early 90s, but I don't remember off the top I've of had my guys, head. I had guys that, uh, that I played with that um, we found out certain guys had DUIs we didn't know about, and then also uh, we had a guy from Cuba, Alexi Ramirez, that wasn't didn't have his visa paperwork right, so he had a three-day vacation when he went to Toronto. So I was like, man, this isn't – Maybe I should try this. You know, three days off in the middle of the year is not the bad, worst thing in the world. I think it might have been Mel Hall, but we don't need to talk about him because that gets messy. Okay. Um, what uh, what are you up to these days? I know you got fall territory going on, and then you've been doing some games. Um, is it Apple and Fox, or am I off there? Uh, no, it's just Fox. I do Fox uh, okay. game of the week on Saturday usually, or if FS1 has a game in the middle of the week, uh, and then the foul territory thing takes up a lot of my time. I'm actually sitting right now in the battery in Atlanta. I'm about to go to a Mets-Braves game as just nice. a fan. So I'm going to sit in the stands and, and hang out and, and watch the Mets and the Braves play tonight. So you may not know this, but I actually create the data sets that you guys get for Fox. So oh, okay. once a week, I create the notes where you get that page. Uh, it's probably like five pages. Actually, it's probably more than that. It's like 20 notes, and it's like, hey, A.J. Pierzynski is hitting 280 in the seventh inning on the road when it's raining out. We take care of that stuff for you. So I'm with Sport Radar besides, but um wasn't sure if you knew that. I did not know that. So that's awesome. Thank you for all your help. And hey. it definitely comes in handy. So you recently joined Twitter and yeah. that can go one of two ways. How, uh, how has your experience been? I think I saw February. So you're about four months in thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, for me, because listen, I, I think people that, get mad at other people on Twitter and, and say things because everyone just does it. it. It's like, why? What's the point? It's not like I'm doing it to have fun. And if people want to get all mad and huffy and puffy about it, then fine. But I'm not going to get mad if someone says, oh, you suck. Well, guess what? Great. I've heard that for my whole life, you know? So what, what, you're, you're not telling me anything I don't know. You're not. And so yeah. it's like, well, why am I 
why would I understand people get mad and and I could see where you know you, you get a little angry and then you write back to certain people. But I, I mean, I posted a picture. I was in New York yesterday, and obviously the game got canceled because of the smoke. Well, I was playing golf, and there's the place I played called Liberty National is one of the things of it is you can see the Statue of Liberty like five feet away from you. Well, you couldn't even see it because of the smoke. And I posted a picture and said, oh, man, should I have been playing golf in this? You can't see the Statue of Liberty. And you could barely see it like this big. And so, of course, some guys like, well, I can see it. Well, like, yeah, I understand you can really see it, but that's not the point, right? It's just, it's like, you're just being a troll to be a troll. And, and, and well, you don't even get a response. Now, if you, if you say something funny, I'll respond to you and I'll say, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. But if you just trolling to troll, I'm out on you. Well, it's like, if you tell someone your favorite Twins manager is Tom Kelly, they'll ask you, well, why do you hate Ron Gardenhire? It's like, I wasn't even <laughs> talking about Gardy. What are you talking about? We will talk about those two guys a little bit too because you played for both. Um, so your role in the game right now is broadcasting. It's all, doing all that fun stuff. Is that Are you kind of comfortable where you're at right now? You know, a lot of guys, especially catchers, get back into the game coaching or managing. And that's not for everybody because it's so much time away from family. I know you got a couple kids. Is there any way you want to do more than this or are you really happy where you're at? Well, I'm happy where I'm at, but of course, there's always, I think as a former player, and especially I think a catcher, there's always a little bit of an itch behind you Said, man, I'd really like to manage. Now, coaching or grinding through the minor leagues, I don't know about that. But, you know, someone comes and says, hey, we got, we got a big league bench coach job or a big league manager's job. It's kind of hard. You'd have to really think about it. Um, and my kids are older now. I'm going to be a senior, going to be a junior in high school. Selling my kids are young. When I retired, my kids were younger. And so it's been, they've grown up now and they're about to go to college. So it's a little bit different in that regard. But yeah, I mean, the biggest thing about managing is I look at all the managers that are there now. I mean, look at Rocco. Rocco mm -hmm. took the job. He's all young. Now he's got the gray beard. You know, Alex Corslo, you know, Alex yeah. Aaron Boone's losing his hair. Like, it's like, what is happening to these guys? And, and it's amazing. And when you talk to them, it's just like, there's a lot more than what I expected. And I understand that because there's a lot of stuff from not only your organization, but from the players and from the front office, and then you have media responsibilities, and you just never shut it off. And that's the one thing that I've heard from a lot of managers is they have a hard time shutting it off after a game. They just sit and replay the losses over and over. What could I have done differently? How can mm -hmm. I get this guy going? How can I get that guy going? And it, it's just a lot, and I have nothing but respect for guys that do it and do it well. Yeah, and I think it's kind of like being a president where after four or eight years, you look and it's like a, a very significant <laughs> deterioration physically. And I don't mean to knock Gardy, but if you look at early Twins Gardy, I mean as a manager, not as a coach, because he started so young. But early Gardy manager and late Gardy manager, um, let's just say he looked better after Arizona and Detroit and right now than he did at the end of his Twins tenure. So I totally get that aspect of it. I, I've seen Doug Mankiewicz pop up a bit in your shows or in clips because how outspoken guy, always going to speak his mind. Um, is he a recurring guest or has he just kind of been on a couple times? How's, how's that gone? I, love, I mean, Doug, listen, I love Doug, so I'd love for him to be a recurring guest. He was on, we, we do this thing for the alumni association called Legends Territory. And so he was a guest on that. And he was so, he said so much stuff that we had to do a two-part, a two-part interview. Most guys are only one part because Doug just wouldn't shut up because that's Doug. As you, you obviously know Doug. And yep. he speaks his mind and he says a lot of good things. And um, so we had to make it into a two-part. So that's why it was a two-part series instead of a one-part thing with Doug. But uh, I love that Doug on. I wish Doug was around a lot. Um, He's one of my favorite people, and I get Doug. Doug and I get each other. So we, he says a lot of stuff, and I'm like, Doug, you're just dumb. And he'll <laughs> laugh and say, well, you are too. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. But he's very opinionated. He says what's on his mind. And I think it, you know, if you listen to the interview that he did, that'll tell you why he got let go not only by the Twins but by the Tigers because he was like, I'm not doing that. I don't agree with it. 
then I don't think it's going to work. And, and that's why he's having a hard time now getting back into it. Well, from my vantage point, we like the guys that fill up the notebook. And that's what Torrey Hunter did in 2015 when he came back. So we really like those guys. They speak their mind. They're not going to tell you anything, you know, industry secrets. But they have a perspective, especially Torrey at that time, I think, was 38. So he'd seen pretty much everything. But that's, uh, that's very refreshing to see and to hear. I want to ask you, before we go to our first pause, you were kind of king of the mountain. So the Twins were in a transition period after Terry Steinbach. I feel like you and like five other catchers, and I want to see if I can remember all of them. Uh, Chad Moeller, Danny Ardois. I know Damian Miller was in that mix, but that was a little earlier. Uh, Matthew Lee, Croy, Javier Valentin. You were kind of the king of that mountain. What was that competition like with all those catchers that um, were kind of jockeying for position? Well, I was the last one to get a shot. <laughs> um, so I came up with like Javi. Uh, Valentine. He was Jose, and then he changed his name to Javi. That's right. His brother That's was right. Jose. So, um, the infielder, then, right? Yes, the infielder played for the White Sox. Yep. Uh, had a nice career, really good career. Yeah, Got really good. Um, good player. And so I, I started out playing with, with Javi. I still want to call him Jose, but Javi. Um, <laughs> and then we played like the A ball together, and then I went down. He kind of went up, and I stayed down. And then they drafted Moeller, and I was ahead of Moeller. And then they brought in Danny Ardois from a trade, and uh, Damian Miller got – uh, expansion drafted out. Yep. So he was gone, but then they also had Marcus Jensen, the guy they tried for a little bit of time. Um, and then I remember in two, uh, like 98, I was up and then 99, I was up and down. And then 2000, um, the twins sent me to double a and Matt Lee Croy and Marcus Jensen made the team out, out of spring training. And I was like, what, what is happening? And then they didn't work out and they brought up Moeller and he didn't work out. And they brought up Danny Ardois and they didn't work out. And I literally was like, am I ever going to get a chance? Cause I was right. still on the roster and they never gave me, and I was having a great year. And uh, I remember I went into the Jim Rance at the time was the um, farm director. He was in town. It was it was about probably end of July ish, maybe early August. And I said, you know, I knew Jim Rance forever. And I was like, hey, Jim, am I ever going to get a chance? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'd love to. You know, you're calling up all these dudes. Like, when do I get a shot? Right. Uh, you know, huh? And he's like, and he was handing out six six year free agent papers uh, for guys in the minor leagues. And I said, can I get one of those? He's like, you're on the roster. I go, I know, but you're never going to call me up. So right. what do I got to do to get called up? I'll take that and I'll, I'll frame it. And I literally told him, I go, I'm going to frame it and hang in my locker so I can get the heck out of this organization and get the one that will give me a shot. And then like two days later, I got called up and never came back down. Oh, so love it. <laughs> it was kind of, I mean, you know, it was kind of a odd timing for the whole thing. But um, once they, you know, I'd been up and down. And the hardest thing to explain to somebody is when you, you're in the minor leagues, you get called up and then you have to go back down. It's oh. like, so, it's, it's so deflating, right? Because you're yep. thinking, oh, man. I got it all figured out. I'm in the right spot. I'm doing everything right. And then all of a sudden it's like, and then, oh man. And, you, and then, so then you have to like start over. It's basically right. like starting over. And it's such a hard thing mentally and, and to, to get back. And, um, you know, I, when I got called up the last time, I remember I was like, I'm not going back down. And uh, I never did. So it was good. Perfect. Well, um, quick, quick spot here from Bird Dogs. Uh, I'm wearing mine right now and they make you look good. Stretch khaki shorts. AJ, I don't know if you've heard of these guys, but um, they're like Lululemon shorts, fit great. They make a guy like me even look great in these things, even though I am, uh, you know, a little portly on the portly side. But, um, yeah, uh, I have the tumbler I showed at the beginning of the show. I've been meaning to do that. Uh, but if people want to get these shorts or pants, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Enter the promo code locked on MLB, and you get that free tumbler with your order. And I know I said in last night's show I was wearing them. Don't worry. I have two pairs. No judgment here. No, no, I, did not, no. I did not wear the same ones. You did. Promise. It's okay. Okay, well, you did. It's okay. <laughs> you're blowing up my spot here. Um, yeah, no, they Bird have dogs. liners in them. They yeah, have perfect. liners in them. They're anti anti microbial. What's the word? Something like that. 
microbial so they don't stink, right? So you can wear them 10 days in a row. Front and backwards. It says, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you, AJ just blew up my spot that I didn't take them off. But again, yeah, birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Your code is locked on MLB. AJ, I am curious. So I watched, like when I started watching the Twins, you came up about four or five years in. So actually I started watching in 93, which was a pretty tough time to start because 91, they win the series. 92, they're pretty good, but don't make the playoffs because the wild card didn't exist yet. And then it was it was tough there for a while. I mean, there's no there's no sugarcoating it. But what I want to know is, you know, I know like every guy you played with. Like if you name a guy, there's a good chance I'll remember them. Who is the one? Like who are the ones you're still closest with right now? Uh, obviously Doug. We talked about right. Doug, Tori, right. Troy. Um, I Great still talk to Hawk, Denny Hawking, uh, Eddie every once in a while, Cuddy every once in a while, um, trying to Loche, Kyle Loche every once in a while. Those are probably the ones. Uh, I wish I talked to Radke more because he's one of my favorites. Like, he's just kind of you know, gone radio silent, which is okay. Um, he's, the way he was, it's kind of the way he lived his life. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. Buchanan, remember him? I, I yep. talked to him a bunch. Um, those are probably the ones that I talked to the most with the Twins. So you, I don't think you were with the Twins anymore when it happened, but I, I assume through back channels you heard it. What was the deal with Loesch going to Gardy's office or door with a bat? Is that Would that legitimately happen? <laughs> Well, I, 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 I think it did. He, I was gone. Um, yeah. But a years let's, just then, say, let's just say that Loesch wasn't the only one that almost had an altercation with Gardy. Did you did you enjoy playing for Gardy? Or, like, I, I, I did. I did. I did. We had, I, well, we had TK on my other show. He was the only one. I did a That 90s Baseball Pod with Greg Olson, who was a twin for about a half an hour in, like, 1997. And so we had on, you know, Molitor. We had Buck Showalter before he got hired by the Mets, which was cool because we talked about Damian Miller in the the uh, expansion draft and all that fun stuff. But, um, you know, we, we had fun with that show. We had a lot of those guys on. Um, so it's 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 just uh, that, that kind of that era for me is what I came up on. Yeah, I understood. And that's, I mean, I was listening. I was drafted in 94. So uh, and I first came up in 98. So I get... All those guys. Like, I remember Damian Miller. I was playing in Hawaii when they were having yeah. the expansion draft. And I thought I was going to get – I was hoping I would get expansion to Tampa Bay because I was like, right. oh, I'd love to go because I'm from Orlando. So I was like, man, this would be great. And then they picked Damian Miller, and I got, I guess, scooped back or whatever they call it um, off the list. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, I remember all those guys. Like, you know, TK, I played for TK, obviously. I played for Gardy. Gardy was a third-base coach. You know, Scott Olger. Uh, Molitor, I played with Paul Molitor. I mean, that was kind of pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, all those guys you're talking about, I mean, I know all of them well and uh, you know, fortunate enough to be around them. So we, we had TK on that show, which is ironic because, first of all, he only has a landline, which I think probably won't surprise you. He, he doesn't have a cell phone, doesn't have a computer. <laughs> so he's the only guest that we had to figure out how to get on a landline. So we called him on Skype. And then we call him and it goes, hey, um, if you're a solicitor, you have to hang up right now. Otherwise, you can hit button one or something. So I'm trying to figure out how to dial a number on Skype on my computer. Anyway, we get a hold of him and he gives us just gold for an hour. I I assume Guardy could do the same thing in a different way. I covered Guardy in 2013 on. What what was so different about them? Because obviously Guardy was kind of his like... Uh, I don't know what you call them, like maybe, maybe an understudy, but they're totally different guys. Uh, how would you compare and contrast playing for each of them? Um, well, 
I came up under TK, and it was a different era. I mean, it was 25 years ago. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say about TK was this is the managers had true power. It wasn't the GM like it is now. It was the manager. And if Tom Kelly was like, you're out of here, guess what? You were out of there. He didn't. It didn't matter if you could have been the best player in the world. He's like, uh, you can't bunt. You can't hit and run. You're out. And that was just the way it was. So we came up, and it was uh, TK's rules. It was, can you play the field? Can you not make mistakes running the bases? Can you take the extra base? Can you bunt? Can you hit and run? Can you put the ball in play? That was like TK's thing. They put the ball in play, and you got to catch the ball, and you got to know how to run the bases. And then can you use the back? Can you hit the ball the other way? Can you bunt? All those little things that you see are kind of making a comeback now yep. because of the way the game is played. Yep. That's how TK taught the game. And it was great because there was no better organization to come up in for me than that because I was like, oh, I love this stuff. Like, I love the fundamentals of baseball. I love the little things. I love bunting. I love running and running. And I could do those things. So I was like, this is perfect for me. And uh, there was guys that hated it. Maybe the David Ortiz. Like, he, he didn't fit in because he was that, that wasn't his game, right? He went to Boston and became Big Poppy and in the Hall of Fame. So, but that wasn't his game. You look at like a guy like Minkiewicz. You look at even Tory. Like when Tory first came up, he wasn't a huge home run hitter, but he could do a lot of things great. He played defense, right? So that's what got him on the field, and that was great. Now, TK was TK hard to play for? Absolutely. When you were young and you didn't know what the hell you were doing, you thought you did. Was he hard? He was impossible because he hated young guys, and I think he'll admit that he just didn't like young guys. He was a veteran guy, and but. Listen, I look back on it, and we talk about this. Like the Twins guys that I that I talked to were like, man, I really – look back on it. I'm like, man, I really enjoyed my time with TK. And I've taken more from TK, what he taught when I helped coach my son's team, than I do probably from any other manager because he taught you how to play the right way. And that was the one thing about TK. Now, Gardy – the one thing you have there to say about Gardy and I's relationship, we're, I love Gardy. Uh, but when he took over from third base coach, he had a personality of like, I'm going to be a Mr. Fun guy. And then when he became manager, that kind of went away because he thought he had to change to become like more almost like TK. Mm -hmm. And I think as he managed longer, he went back more to the way he was before. But when I first caught him as manager, he was Mr. I got to be a hard ass. I got to change my personality. We're like, Gardy, dude, just be the same guy. And he's, yeah. he's like, I'm the manager now. You have to listen to me. We're like, dude, we'll listen to you. Just be the same dude. And that's where I think a lot of the problems playing for Gardy arose for a lot of guys. I think, you know, you mentioned the Kyle Oster, like I said, I went in there many times and had wars with Gardy yeah. in his office. I mean, there's other guys. Doug did it. I know. I know. Uh, Jock Jones went in there a couple of times. There's been a there was a bunch of guys that went in there and had words with Gardy because we're like, hey man, like we know how to play. Like just let us play. Don't try to be TK because you're not TK. And but listen, I, I I wish one of the I don't have many regrets in my career, but one regret I had I had a chance to sign back with the Twins and I didn't. I probably should have. Um, and Gardy called me, and it was I had a, it was when I went to the Red Sox in '14 and. I look back on it and say, man, I really wish I would have done it um, because it didn't work out very well in Boston. But Gardy called me about two hours after I'd already said yes to the Red Sox. I was like, hey, I didn't know we were in on you. You know, you want to come and it hadn't come public yet. And Gardy's like, hey, man, I want you to come play for me. It'd be so much fun. He's like, I, you know, and I wish you, if you would have called me two hours before, I probably would have signed back with Minnesota because I love my time there and, I, and it would have been awesome to come back. Um, but unfortunately, the timing didn't work out. Um, but I, I have nothing but respect for Gardy. We had a lot of laughs. Listen, um, I don't want anyone to think I, do. I have no respect for Gardy or, or I loved Gardy. I love playing for Gardy. And, and it was just that little bit of time. If I would have played for Gardy maybe another year or two before they traded me, or, uh, right. then I, I think we would have had a better thing with him because I, as I watched him from afar, because then you got to remember, I played against him for the next like eight years, right? Mm -hmm. After, So it was like I could see how he kind of changed with the media and changed with everything and changed with the players that I would talk to. And I, and I just wish he would have been like that from the get-go, but he wasn't. And listen – 
he evolved into what he is, and, and, and I love Guardian. I wish him nothing but the best. And same with TK. I mean, I haven't talked to TK in forever. I've seen him a couple years ago. Uh, you know, he calls me Anthony, and, and he's, you know, the same old TK. But, uh, I mean, he was a hard – he was a – excuse my language. He was a hard son of a bitch to play for when you're 21, 22 years old coming up and, and him acting the way he did. And also the reputation he had was another big thing. It was, it was, it was tough. But uh, once you broke through that, and it was, uh, it was special. Yeah, as even as a kid, I would hear rumors that like he and Todd Walker clashed, or some of the the guys who maybe I wouldn't. I wonder if it was maybe college guys who had kind of played longer into their ways and were probably more hesitant to learn the twins' way. But um, I can't say for no, sure. No, you know, I can't, Brandon. I can't say that because okay, I think I think TK just had a certain thing. Like TK was, TK, like I said, TK had the ultimate power, right? So he had a certain vision of what a player at every position was supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't do that, then he's like, well screw you, we'll find someone else to do it, right? So right. that's where people kind of got into a little bit of a, a, a tiff with TK was, well, you can't bunt. Like David Ortiz, you can't bunt, right? Oh, you can't do this. You can't – well, guess what? David Ortiz can hit a home run. Let's just you let that dude hit home runs. Exactly. But that wasn't the Twins' way, and that wasn't TK's way. Um, and, and the other thing, I, I mean, I'll tell this story. I've told this, I think, before is, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my first full year, 2001-ish, TK's last year. And it gets to like June and TK has never had a conversation with me other than like, tell me what I'm doing wrong or, or yell at me or whatever. And he comes up to me and I'm into my locker and he's like, Hey, and I'm like, Oh boy, what do I do now? And he's like, are you going to play fantasy football? And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, you're going to play fantasy football this year. And I was like, I don't know. Am I invited? And he's like, yeah, I think you should. He's like, I think you should play. And he just turned and walked away. And I was like, and I literally, I remember I called my wife and I was like, I just actually had a real conversation, like not getting screamed at by Tom Kelly. I'm like, I think I made it. And she just started laughing and I was like, yeah, I actually think I, I, I'm okay now. I've actually made it in the twins organization. So we talked about Tori or you talked about Tori just briefly. Was, was the story that he almost went back to football true? I know that he had a lot of struggles early and I think taking the torch from Kirby Puckett, whether he did or didn't exactly do that. Um, that's a, that's a big load to carry. Was it true that he was closest close ish to going back to football? I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, the Twins were smart. They called him up, <laughs> get him a taste of the yeah. big leagues. And we're like, yeah. oh, by the way, pinch run a couple of days and see what the big leagues are like. Oh, yeah, then we're going to send you back down. So they were smart with how they played that, right? Um, right. Yeah, I definitely think there was – listen, when you play in the minor leagues and everyone struggles a little bit in the minor leagues, there's always a thought in the back of your mind, well, I can just quit and go and do something else. But then you sit down with the people that – if you hopefully you sit down with the right people and they say right. – no, you're going to get yourself through this. And um, Tori made the right decision, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people I know that talked to Tori about it. And, and listen, would he have been a great football player? Probably. For but sure. he probably wouldn't have had the career he had in baseball and, and be as loved as he is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was. He had talked about it. I know he talked about it. But I don't know how close it was. I think that was more of the media and him saying it and the media running with it. Like, there were times where I'd play in the minor leagues. I'd be like, God, I just want to quit and go home. And you're like, well, wait, I can't do that. I got nothing to do. At least he had football to fall back on. Right. So, so that 2001 season, uh, I feel like, you know, with contraction talks looming, it must have galvanized you. But um, before that, basically that entire core had come up together through, I'm sure, E-Town. I don't know if you guys were in Visalia. It was, was that maybe Salt Lake at that time at AAA? I can't remember for sure. But um, what was the what was that like to come up with a lot of these guys? Because I feel like that... You know, like, like the 99 team, I think, had like 22 rookies or something like that crazy. I, I have to believe that coming up like that made you guys that much more connected. And then it showed in the playoffs, you know, when you guys knocked off the Moneyball A's and that sort of thing. 
Um, you know, it was it was weird because uh, Tori was a year ahead of me, yep. uh, and so I didn't catch them. Up, I didn't catch up to them until like Double A, uh, '98. So they were all ahead of me. Tori, Minkavich. Uh, I came up with like David Ortiz and I played an A ball together. Jock Jones mm-hmm. and I were an A ball together. Uh, Rivas and I were together. Um, and then we made the trade for Guzman and, and Eric Milton and all those guys in the right. winter of '98. Right. So. Then we all played in like double A and triple A together. Brian Buchanan, Guzzi, um, then Loesch came over. We had him, Joe Mays, um, guy named Mike Lincoln got a nice career, Chad Allen. So we all kind of came up together through the ranks. And then when we hit double A is when we were all kind of together. And then in the next couple of years in triple A, when we were all kind of bouncing, we were all trying to figure out what we're doing. That was when we were all, I mean, I remember in 2000, we had like one of the greatest teams of all time. You look up the numbers in Salt Lake. We had Tory, we had Todd Walker, we had Butchuski, we had, I mean, we had a, you can just rattle off the names and it was one of the greatest AAA teams of all time. And we were all pissed because we were like, we all should be in the major leagues and we weren't. And so we were, it was like a, a bond. And then we all kind of, we didn't go up together, but it was kind of like one at a time. We, it was like week by week, one of us would kind of get there and then stay. And uh, it, it, what was a bonding thing was like, we were all pissed that we weren't in the major leagues. We're like, what else do we have to do to get to the major leagues? And then as we all slowly made the ascension and things were different back then, listen, they didn't, guys just didn't get rewarded to go to the big leagues. Like you actually had to prove yourself. Yeah. And especially with the twins, like they weren't just calling you up. You had to bust your ass to get there. So it was rewarding when we all made it together. What, um, so later in your career, you come back to Minneapolis, um, interleague's a thing. And then obviously you were, uh, with the White Sox and all that. Um, was it, was it strange to play at Target Field after playing at the Metrodome as a home stadium? Uh, it was more strange to play in the Metrodome the first time as a visitor. Sure. Uh, because because I had done it before. So when you come back and you're used to being on the home side, you, you come in the same way and you're like, wait, I'm on the other side now. Uh, I think there's a there's a there was a clip on it. I think Loesch hit me in one of my first at bats, and I flipped the bat to the Twins dugout when I was on the other side. And Gardy's like, <laughs> what the? Gardy's yelling at me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, but it was it was it, it became it, the thing that bothered me. Listen about playing was the booze I got. Right, I didn't want to leave Minnesota. I loved my time in Minnesota, and I didn't want to leave. I was traded, so. Uh, maybe it was because I played for the White Sox. I don't know, but I, I never wanted to leave Minnesota, so uh, I, I felt like that was always an unfair. Now, listen, did I do things in certain places to get booed? Absolutely, but in Minnesota, it was like, dude, I didn't want to go. I didn't. I was. I was. I wanted to play here, so that always bothered me. And then I love Target Field. I love playing in Target Field. I thought it was one of the best sight lines, one of the best places to hit. I mean, I love. I love going there and playing, and it was. It was fun because the atmosphere was always great. The teams are always pretty good, and it was just a fun place to play. No, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, do you have any specific metronome memories, like like one that you fall back on? Because that was where I first had my first season tickets. And um, that was 2006. So it was a couple of years after you had gotten out of there. But I, even still, I caught a home run there off Ty Wigginton that I threw back and got on TV with Todd Callis. And that was all fun. And lots of memories there. But as a player, I'm sure it has to be a, a whole nother level. Um, my, I mean, my favorite – Obviously, you know the first time you play there, and the first time you get you get that bat there. Uh, my, my my favorite memories there. One in two thousand, we beat the White Sox. They won the division in the same game, so both teams were celebrating on the field at the same time. Matt Lawton hit a walk off homer, I believe, and we were celebrating, and they had clinched the division because the Indians had lost at the time. Mm-hmm. And so both teams were celebrating on the field at the same time. That was kind of wacky, uh, something yeah. you won't ever see. Uh, and then and then honestly, two thousand two. Um, going there in the year we had and then making the playoffs in that first game against Oakland when we're the, the playoff game and just the atmosphere. That, that is one of those memories that you look back and you're just like, 
I can't believe I'm part of this. And I got to be, because it was so loud and so, everyone was so excited because it had been so long since the twin had been in the postseason with all the contraction talk and all the other bull crap they were talking about. Uh, to, to have it all come true. And then with the guys, like you said, that I came up with in the minor leagues, it just, it was, it was a special moment. And then I wish we would have obviously won the World Series there. And then, and then also 2003, uh, we clinched the division at home. It was the first time we had ever clinched anything at home. So to, to be able to run around with the fans and have that whole thing was, those are the things you remember. It's, it's you know, you remember specific at-bats and you remember doing certain things, but at the end of the day, it's about when you win and the interaction with the people that are in the stands and that mean the most. So before I let you go, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, if you hadn't played professional baseball, would you have been a professional wrestler? <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I only got into professional wrestling because my baseball career was so much like a professional wrestler. Yeah. It made it an easy transition for me. So was, um, your, heel, was your heel turn being traded for Minnesota? I, apparently. Uh, I guess. You know, even though I, had, I mean, I think my heel turn was playing for the Giants. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so thanks, Terry Ryan. I love you. I love you, buddy. Um, I love Terry. I got it. I, I, I love Terry. Too. I do too. I still talk to him all the time. He's a great, great human being. But um, so you're pretty ingrained in wrestling though. Like that. Did you grow up watching and that's kind of what of the transition looked like? Of course I was, I was, you know, he grew up in the eighties. Like I grew up in the eighties at Hulk Hogan and right. Yeah. You know, that whole crew. So I mean, yep. you grew up in, it was, it was Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania. And then they had the cartoons and they had everything. WWE, it was WWF at the time. Right. And it was yep. just such a big, it was such a part of American culture. And I listen, I, I mean, I was, I loved it. I still watch it still. I mean, I'm still a loser, yeah. you know, say call my, friends talking. my kids are like, you're a loser, dad. You still watch this crap. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Cause it didn't makes me laugh and it puts, it, it entertains me. So, um, yeah. And then when, listen, WWE calls you and time TNA calls me and says, Hey, we want to do an angle. We want to yeah. do a little run with you. How am I saying no? And the first time I did it, I was actually a face and I had to be nice. And then the next year we did it, I was, I turned and that yeah. was the best because there's no better feeling than when you, grab a microphone and you can say whatever you want and the, you know, the reaction that people are going to get and you can just say, you can just wear people out and you know, they're going to boo you. And you're, you're like, yes, I want you. So the more, if they just didn't say anything, you'd be like, well, what am I doing wrong? But right. as soon as you're like, Hey, you're, you know, you're an asshole or this and that. And they're like, oh, boo. you're like, yes, I got it. Like I hooked them. And, they don't and so boo. that was, they don't boo nobody's. No, that was the most fun. I mean, that was yeah. listen, being a heel with a mic in your hand. It's pretty special. So I was a WCW guy, but I, I still get where you're coming from. Um, last one that I got for you is uh, if you had a former teammate as your tag team partner, who would it be? Oh, man. Uh, trying to think of the biggest, baddest. You know, well, the biggest, baddest dude I ever played with was Barry Bonds. And I don't know if he'd very, be very good in the wrestling ring. Uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> you know, uh, Brian Buchanan would be a good one because he was Nasty. fast and, and he was huge. Yep. And he might he might rip your arm off if he gets a hold of you. So I, I'd probably go. Or you know who else would be a good one? And because because you have the forty six hanging by, or is that sixteen? That's the jersey cool. behind you. Oh, cool. Okay, I thought it was forty six yeah. for Bobby Wells. Remember Bobby Wells? Ooh, he big guy. A, yeah, he would have been a good one too, just because he was a great dude and just would have been fun to hang out with, especially after the matches. I feel like he looked like he was pretty mild-mannered. Well, AJ, thank you for taking time out. Um, people should follow you on Twitter at AJ underscore Pierzynski FT. I assume that's for the name of your uh, your podcast. Um, yes. But again, too, if people are checking us out, thanks for checking us out today. Tomorrow we'll talk about the Rays series. Subscribe, like, give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're watching or listening to. Um, this is Locked on Twins. Follow us at Locked on Twins at Brandon underscore Warren. And uh, don't forget to stop by tomorrow. AJ, thank you so much for taking the time. 
Thank you so much. And uh, I love I still love Minnesota. Every time I get back there, it puts a smile on my face. So thanks, Brandon. Glad to hear it.